today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Oh my gosh, guys. Oh my gosh. The first five minutes of Secret Invasion have dropped in a secret location. Uh, very, very spy-oriented. So if you haven't seen it yet, we're going to tell you how to go find it. And uh, we're going to talk about the first five minutes. So stick around after this. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll, and with me today, we have two of our normal, con- regular contributors over here at the MCU cast. We have Jay Scotty St. Clair. How you doing, Jay Scotty? I'm good, but I take umbrage with you calling me normal. I'm not normal. <laughs> well, I was going to edit out normal because I changed it to regular, but now I can't edit it because you ruined it I'm not it regular all. either. I'm a scroll. <laughs> you don't know. He's really, he's really irregular. <laughs> We don't need to know about your digestive system. We're just trying to talk about Marvel here, man. And we also have Haley Hobbs. How are you doing, Haley? I'm super, super stoked to talk about Secret Invasion, so I'm fantastic. Woo-hoo. Sweet. Well, I'm excited to have you guys. Um, so, so you guys know, and thank you to uh, Jennifer Newton for al- alerting me uh, to this uh, to this happening. Uh, I didn't know anything about it, and uh, uh, it apparently had been posted a few times in the group. But uh, thank you for everyone who posted it. But apparently, there's apparently I'm staring right at it. I don't know why I'm saying apparently. There is a website <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, there's a website, and it's in theinvasionhasbegun.com. Okay, okay. So that's you go there, and then it brings up this very spy-like screen, and you have to put in a password to to see what's going on the password you have to put in and i'll put in the show notes as well for you be easily copying and pasting but it's uh all capital letters r s d three p x five n seven s okay that's it's weird to be telling everyone a password on here that's the weird thing to do on a podcast <laughs> but it's definitely worth it check it out it's the first five minutes of um, Secret Invasion, and we get to see what's going on a little bit, a little bit more context to all this stuff. Uh, and so we're, now we're going to talk about it. So obviously, some of you may have just found out about it, uh, like I just did yesterday. So feel free to go check it out. Come back to us. We're going to talk about it for a little bit, but spoiler alert, we're going to talk about the first five minutes of Secret Invasion. Some people may not be spoiled on it at all. So if so, this, this, this episode's not for you. But if you're ready, we're going to talk about Secret Invasion. What did you guys think of the first five minutes of Secret Invasion? Oh my god, I was so excited to like type the password in. Like I'm a spy myself, and I was like, mm-hmm. like look at the green screen. I love it. It was so good. It's setting the stage so much more perfectly, even than the trailers have, because it's like kicking us off with the intrigue, the not knowing who to trust already, who's who, which one's the scroll. We don't know. I don't care because we'll find out. And I'm super excited for this really crazy looking, like we're going to be looking behind our shoulders the whole time we're watching this show. Yeah. hundred percent. What about you, Jay Scotty? Yeah, I concur. I, I love this kind of viral marketing. I feel like uh, we haven't seen as much of it as of late, but it's just a lot of fun to be able to participate in like all the kudos to those fans that were like, you know, knew about it instantly and did the hard work of deciphering the password and making it easier for someone like me. But yeah, I Mm -hmm. I just love the tone that it's set. It's really leaning into like cold war overtures and um, just the open dialogue we got from this character, agent Prescott, like imagine a world where information can't be trusted. And he like basically read my mind. It was like, well, that's not Mm -hmm. that hard to imagine. He's like, not that hard to imagine. Is it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
He's not far to go, me, Scotty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it really is not far to go at all. And I loved how it sort of set me off uh, kilter a little bit by Agent Prescott has this amazing voiceover voice, mm-hmm. just this very like, yeah, uh, this very like. I didn't expect him to be a human that was actually on the show. It was so it was such a great voiceover, but then it turns out he's talking, and then it cuts to him in the room, and the the, the voices you've been hearing have been diegetic. They've did just him telling Agent Ross what's going on, and um, I thought that was really really cool. It kind of sounds like. And Mendelssohn a little bit, yes. and then you yeah, keep yeah, listening, yeah. you're like, well, it's it's not quite him, but is it? Like, they're just immediately, they're grabbing you with, like, you can't know anything is real in, in any part of this. I love that, like, immediate putting yeah. us off. Yeah. And it set up, it set up a lot of things that the show is going to be doing, which, like, apparently there's all these attacks, and it's some sort of false flag at least Prescott thinks so, if that is his real face. Um, <laughs> if that's his real name. <laughs> exactly. But I thought it was a great great tease to really give us a, some, a skeleton to what this series is going to be. There's all these attacks, and it's like they've been made to look like someone is destabilizing the world, and it looks mm-hmm. like it's the scrolls responsible. It did make me think. I guess, I don't know, this is speculation, so like, and you all watch this, so I guess this, I almost want to give a spoiler alert because it really makes me think something, uh, especially the, the, this scene combined with the end of this uh, thing. They had a line in the trailer that said, we don't even know who the invaders are, mm-hmm. um, which, sure, they're scrolls. They could be anyone. That's, that could be the thing. But like, what if that's the big twist? Me and Jeff just had did an episode last week of Secret Invasions, like what we're looking forward to in Secret Invasion. And like something that that made me think is like, what if the scroll are just doing the bidding of someone else? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what if that's the big thing? What if Val is trying to destabilize? We've talked about Val possibly being a scroll. What if it's bigger than that? Val is like running the scrolls like a freaking operation because she's trying to destabilize the world for whatever her purposes are, you know? Mm. What if it's like the Kree are the invaders and the scrolls are. Like, they want to infiltrate Earth to maybe try to save it, because obviously the scroll Cree War is the whole reason why they were trying to find a new home anyway. Yeah, yeah, then absolutely. we'd be on it, down the Inhumans route. Mm-hmm. That's a big swing, but it would be cool. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, that's really cool. I think it's all on the table, but I really liked what this first five minutes did in terms of, like, setting the stage and, like, catching everyone up even if you're a more casual fan and have only watched like the movies like it's been a while maybe since you've seen captain marvel so it's like oh i thought the scrolls were good guys and it's like no that was 30 years ago and we've been trying to find them a home world but no dice so now they want our world and i thought yeah that that kind of makes sense because in the comics the scrolls have always been more nefarious so um i like 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 i said anything could be on the table we could have a lot of twists and turns in terms of the story that were being delivered but if the scrolls are the bad guys I like that as an explanation as to why they are invading now, because the last time we saw them, they, we were on friendly terms with them, and we've frequently seen them depicted, like we saw Talos and uh, the scroll that was Maria Hill at the end of Far From Home, and then even in WandaVision, that government official that, that visited that turned out to be a scroll, like they all seem like they're pretty friendly, so we have to have some explanation as to why that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think I think this will absolutely work on 
multiple levels, even if they're, I'm, I just really want to be surprised. I like, I mm-hmm. want there to be a big shocking thing. And this is me over here trying to solve the thing already, even though that's what I'm saying. I want it to not be solved by the end, <laughs> but that's what I want. Mm-hmm. I wanted to like, I want to like think I know what's going on the whole show. And then finally, no, I was wrong. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I think this will work on either level. I think the this group of scrolls is doing what they're doing because they want our world. Like I think that is real and legitimate. It's just is there someone else pulling their strings? Is there someone else behind the scenes? But I think I, I don't think we'll take that away from them. Like I think this group of scrolls is going to have a very similar motivation, as I mentioned uh, on our episode last week, as the flag smashers, um, who are like looking that they, they suddenly are found themselves without a home, you know, and mm-hmm. they are like they're they're willing to go to war with the world to try to uh, disrupt things and make this world uh, happen. Man, well, and war with each other because we know that Talos is a friendly, and even though his daughter, who's being played by Amelia Clark's character, um, even though she says to Fury, "This world is burning and it's your fault," I think she's on the side of earth because she has a strong connection with earth because of what she went through as a child. So you've got this contingent of them that want to maybe help earth and want to maybe be loyal to the earth dwellers. And then you've got maybe the super scroll and his band of merry men who want to wipe them out so that they can take earth. Cause earth is like the perfect planet to inhabit. It's got all these things they need to protect themselves and to defend themselves against the Cree or whatever outside force is coming after them. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that does make me wonder about like what exactly are we being misled with? Because you mentioned Talos's daughter saying that to Fury, but I don't know if that's actually the case. Like she says, someone lit the True. match, but I wonder is she talking to Gravik? Because we know Gravik seems to be like the leader of this like evil cell of scrolls. And uh, you had that scene with Talos in the the room where graphic starts to just like multiply and, and fill the room so it certainly seems like they're going to be at odds but i think they're setting amelia clark's character up to seem like an antagonist but i don't know if that's going to be her trajectory all the way through the show yeah mm-hmm. i think the fact that they chose amelia clark for this i think that means that like this storyline is going to continue or at least her character will continue on forward past this storyline and maybe she will become sort of the the scroll that we kind of know, like, it, you know, we know Talos now, but like down the road, will we know, uh, will we know her and she can continue to be like a force kind of like leading the scrolls or some sort of leader or at least a, a force within the scroll population? Because I think they picked Amelia Clark for a reason. I think, I think they want to yeah. use her more. Mm. Well, and she's friends or she was friends with Monica Rambo. They were the mm-hmm. same age pretty much mm. in the first Captain Marvel movie. And so, there's potential for the relationship between those two characters moving forward. There's a scene where she's back to back with someone while she's firing a gun and it looks like it really could be Monica Rambo from the hairstyle. Mm. Yeah. Um, so we got the opening where it said Moscow present day and it does make me wonder like what exactly is present day in this current Marvel timeline. And even Ross mentions Fury being on Saber and we know from what we saw in the Marvel's trailer that he is still on Saber at least with monica and when kamala khan uh like crashes into the window there so it does make me wonder where exactly this takes place in the timeline and you know we also get some shots of like the current president we know that harrison ford's thunderbolt ross is going to be the president in brave new world so Mm. it's like some there's gonna have to be some Mm shake-ups and i think it sets it up to make it look like fury takes down the president maybe because he's a scroll 
but was he actually trying to save the president from a scroll threat? Like, I don't know. Well, and depending on where it is, Ross may not, it's very likely that's not Ross because Ross is in Wakanda. Mm. Last we knew. So what, you're right, like, where, what is this? What present day are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay, so big swing, but, like, I feel like this is really clear in the tea leaves here. Um, Val has been working both sides, I think. We know mm-hmm. that she, we have suspicions that she's who was talking to the power broker at the end. Uh, obviously, right. she's building a team that's like sort of like, you know, pro-America, Team America team of the Thunderbolts um, that we know we've seen her building Nick Fury style all this time. But with that power broker scene, it really makes me feel like she's on working both sides. And the fact that the power broker was involved somehow with the scientists that got the serum into the hands of the flag smashers. Okay. Like that, those are tenuous for sure, Mm -hmm. because it's two steps. We don't know. We don't know exactly if that was Val on the phone with the power broker, but it's been speculated. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't know for sure that uh, uh, Sharon Carter was involved beforehand with the flag smashers, but we know she knew where the, where the serum was and all. So like, all of that could be Val using the power broker to give powers to the Flag Smashers to destabilize the world. And then um, now, what if Val is somehow behind this, working the puppetry of the scrolls to destabilize the world? There's all these attacks, there's all this stuff going on, and then America needs a powerful leader. And that's Thunderbolt mm. Ross. And you've got... Uh, you know, Val comes in and goes, oh, look, I'm getting, uh, uh, and, and it turns out she's been like an agent of Thunderbolt Ross, getting him elected to president so that mm-hmm. he can be the leader that the world needs. But really, he's going to obviously uh, be a dark leader, I think. I'm putting together a team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Prescott says there's an architect to this tension, and I yeah, think we're led does. to believe that it's graphic, but it very well could be that it's not graphic. Well, and, uh, yeah. We're, we're, we're led to believe it's the scrolls, but like, yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry. I can't get behind. Like, I, I can't get away from this theory. Now that I've seen it, I just can't unsee this like <laughs> connection between the flag smashers and their goals and like who could be funneling all this stuff to happen. And we know it's leading to a new president. Like, I just feel like all this is Val, Val has, and we know that Ross and Val were ex husband and wife. Like, sure. It just all feels very much like something's going on here. Yeah, and I, I feel like this scene really sets up at least this version of Ross is a scroll. Like Prescott's yeah. doing his full on, you know, Charlie Day from a uh, Always Sunny, like pointing to <laughs> all the things on the board, looking mm-hmm. disheveled, conspiracy theorist, full blown. Uh, but when he shows him that information and he says, like, everything before this was like small potatoes, like, this is the one that's really going to set things off. And when Ross looks at it, he really has no reaction, like, no facial change whatsoever. And he says, Yeah, I'm going to take this to Fury. Like, I'm going to take this. And that's when Prescott smiles, but then immediately goes to tackle him. And um, my question is like, yes, if this version of Ross is a scroll, how long has he been in the picture? Because like Ross got shot in the back in Black Panther and had like surgery on his spine. So you would think Shuri would recognize like some like biological abnormality or something like that. So and, mm. yeah. And what you bring up with Val, like if she, if she knew that Ross was off the board because he had to, you know, um, take refuge in Wakanda, she knows him well enough that she could plant a false one in and basically feed 
all the information she needs to to this false Ross. And how to mm. Yeah, because it's like really good, but you can still tell it's Martin Freeman not being quite right as Everett yeah. Ross. Like you, there's right. just enough of his personality not being whole that you're like, this guy ain't right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know that in, uh, in comics, there's not a connection between Everett Ross and Thunderbolt Ross. Those are just two different Rosses, right? Correct. Yeah, um, but it does, it is interesting that they're so, both so involved in this, and I wonder if that might be something they retcon that like Everett Ross is like his nephew or something because they were also uh, like if Val works for Ro- like Thunderbolt Ross, it's funny that like her ex is also a Ross. It just feels like there's I don't know, like they could yeah. do something with that to connect these stories a little bit. For sure, like she's working for her ex, like father-in-law or something, you know, yeah. <laughs> or like uncle-in-law, I guess. <laughs> I can sing. Do you have an uncle in law? <laughs> well, I was like just looking it up because I didn't, I didn't know if he was in the comics or not, but he totally is. Everett Ross. But it doesn't really say anything about or the connection there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, from what I recall, he was he's always kind of played the role that he played, at least and at least the Black Panther movies, where he's kind of the audience's like surrogate into the world of Wakanda. Yep. Okay. So. I, I, know, I know that I'm really Charlie Daying out right now, and I'm sorry I keep bringing it back to this because this that's not what this first thing is about. I, let, let, before I get into it, the f- freaking like cinematography, the acting, the writing is so good, and it feels so like it belongs in the MCU. It does not feel like a TV show. You know what I mean? Like this feels sure. really good. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. so freaking excited about it, and the quality of this is like one of the reasons it makes it seem the most uh, great. I <laughs> so I want to say all that. I, I but like wh- okay, so I feel like the Flag Smashers and these guys both stabilizing the government. What was Val doing in Wakanda forever? I guess she was just defending America in that one. There, there, so there's two other things we've seen Val do. She like defended America, uh, American interest in that, which makes sense. But mm-hmm. then there's also her role in trying to kill Hawkeye. Like, right? Yeah. Why does she want to? I guess maybe just to get him off the table, so that when she replaces them with the Thunderbolts, I guess that that like yeah, like just thing makes taking sense. the OG Avengers out so that she can like whole cloth replace the team. Yeah, okay, okay. I was just like trying to piece together these four different appearances. Well, four different thoughts about what Val's doing. In well, all she's these also trying properties. to get Everett off the board in Wakanda forever because she totally uses him and plants that device on him with a mm. tracker, um, the Kimoyo beads. Yeah. Because she wants him to be caught and arrested. That's right. I also think an element of it is like giving Yelena something that she wants and needs in terms of like having closure with Natasha's death. So it's like you've got this like rogue agent. Can you point them in a direction that's beneficial to you and like establish some trust and, and some relationship there? Because Yelena seems like she's not interested when they start that exchange. But um, I did want to bring up that like that entire sh- exchange takes place at the end of Black Widow by Natasha's gravestone. And I was wondering whose gravestone. Uh, Nick Fury was visiting that I, I haven't gone I back to watch Black Natasha's. Widow. Okay, that's that's what I was mm. assuming. And I only, I mean, I think it is, and then Olivia Coleman's dialogue kind of reinforces it. Like, why aren't you calling any of your, I forget what she calls them, your special friends. Special friends, yeah. Yeah. And that would make sense if he was looking at Black Widow's grave, if she would, yeah, were to ask that so. question then. Because if they're at his grave, it's kind of like, well, that seems stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Why is he always visiting his own grave? That's weird. <laughs> 
I really miss myself. <laughs> yeah. You know you're not in there, right? <laughs> well, now people know he's alive, so I think I think it's Natasha's grave because I think it would have no bearing to go have a scene with him visiting his own. <laughs> Man, all this yeah. visiting Natasha makes me wonder if like they would try to pull something like the Natasha we saw die was a scroll. You know what I mean? Or like, oh which God, I don't think they would do. No, I don't. I don't yeah. think they would do it. But it still would make sense if a scroll also wanted to save half of all life. You know, like it's still like it would make sense why the scroll would do it. But it doesn't make sense why they'd want to save Barton so much. So I don't know. I'm just like, why do they keep focusing on Black Widow in this scenario? Because she's amazing. Mm-hmm. I feel like they do have to have like one of those big reveals, like that one of these characters that we've known and loved for a really long time ended up being a scroll. And I just keep going back to Rhodey, especially with like mm-hmm. the position he seems to be in, the things that he's saying to Nick Fury about him being the most wanted man on the planet. Like of all the characters, like I mean, don't get me wrong, I like Everett Ross and if he were to reveal to be a scroll, you know, it would have some impact, but I don't think it would have the same impact as like a character yeah. like Rhodey. And I feel like we have to have at least one of those like earth shattering reveals let me say this if this everett ross that we saw in this scene is a scroll they better reveal it in the first episode because it's so obvious to me Mm -hmm. based on the conversation and like why he they you know prescott jumping him and everything that like i i will be really annoyed if that's the twist because it's like I've been saying how bad much I want to be surprised. And if I figured it out from the first five minute clip and like, that's the, one of the big surprises, I'll be annoyed. Like they need to let go. Like what I think is going to happen is this, like we're going to find out pretty quickly that this Everett Ross is, is not on the level and Prescott will try to like send that information to someone else or whatever. Um, Mm. Or this, this is what I'm fearing. This scene ends and it's like Everett Ross shows up and says, Turns out Prescott was a scroll, and that's like the inciting incident of the whole thing. You know what I mean? And then you're nah. sort of like, "Yeah, I really hope I don't it's think revealed quickly." Do that. I think it's going to be like that. Can't be Ever Ross because he's fleeing from the authorities. Like he's on Interpol's most wanted. You know, like right. I think that's it'll be pretty quick to say that that's not it. Well, I sure hope so. Um, if if he's a scroll, don't speak that into existence. We're not manifesting that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we were just trying to hop on for a shorty. This is only a five-minute clip. We don't want to go overboard, and I feel like I've already Charlie Dade enough. Uh, you guys have any other <laughs> thoughts about this uh, this here clip? No, I just super can't wait. I just rewatched Winter Soldier the other night because when in doubt, rewatch the Winter Soldier. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm just so hyped for this show. I cannot wait for it. This conversation, or at least my part of it, really makes me want to go back and watch Falcon Winter Soldier and Wakanda Forever and... Uh, uh, Hawkeye and all these little moments that we've seen uh, Val because now I'm just like I just don't I think this has got more to do with that than it does just the scrolls yeah I think of all those that she mentioned I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Black Widow are probably the two that I'm like itching to kind of mm. go go back and rewatch right now and I think that's fitting because they seem to fit like the the similar tone that, that this is going for like really embracing mm-hmm. that spy thriller espionage angle Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, top shelf, bottom shelf. Wait, sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> it's a little joke for anybody following us over on Binger's Assemble. We just we just recorded our Mission Impossible episode for episode for Mission Impossible three, and uh, like I feel I feel like I'm still in Binger's Assemble mode right now. You um, have the perfect tonal shift from that to this. <laughs> yeah, perfect tonal shift. Um, okay, guys. Well, uh, tell them where they can find you guys online. Uh, Jay Scotty. 
Please check out Animation Deliberation. It's the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. And if you are fully immersed in this multiverse of Marvel content, you got to check out all the conversations we're having about Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. And uh, mm-hmm. Matthew Carroll was kind enough to join us over there. We did a full spoilery breakdown of that movie, and it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I had a blast. Please go check that out uh, and give them a sub. And Haley Hobbs. Yep, you can find me on Source Pages, where we read comics and novels as primers for the geeky TV shows and movies you love. For Secret Invasion, we'll be reading issues 1 through 8 of the 2008 storyline. That's the core storyline. We're not reading any of the tie-ins, because there's like way too many of them. And (laughs) as it is, we'll be reading these comics while the show is airing, which is not our usual thing, but it's just the way the schedule is working this year. So please check us out in a couple weeks for that stuff, or check us out now if you want to. I want you to. Source pages. Go do it. Go <laughs> check it out. Um, and we'll be back here on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast or Binge as a Symbol or wherever I am um, soon. Peace. Trust no one, true believers. <laughs> and until next time, true believers. Don't be too trusting, believers. Don't be too trusting. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And a special thanks to all of our subscribers at patreon.com slash mcucast. You make this show possible. And a huge shout out to both. That's right, there's two of them now. Illuminati tier patrons, Walter Kreisky III and Lieutenant Bongo. Thank you, guys. If you want to find all of our fine Stranded Panda podcasts, go to strandedpanda.com. And for a video version, check out youtube.com slash strandedpanda. And if you want to take part in our live streams, go to twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv. 